in a few more days as much as I dread it I gotta sit down and go through the books of all year long and figure out who I am what I did and how well I did it and present it all to Uncle Sam Amen Praise God. And if some of you aren't doing that already, you're probably like me, getting very close to doing it. I intend to get that little act out of my life this first month of the year. Praise God, so I can get on with greater things. Amen. Praise God. And Acts, the first chapter. <clears throat> The former treaties have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. <clears throat> After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he shewed himself alive after his passions by many infallible proofs, been seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled <clears throat> together with them commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father which saith he ye have heard of me for John truly baptized with water but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And I would like to go from that verse and say how in the world did they get the Holy Ghost in John? Some folks said that when Jesus breathed on them they received the Holy Ghost. Then why is this fifth chapter of the first, I mean fifth verse of the first chapter of Acts written this way? <clears throat> For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He is speaking expressly to them twelve. Eleven now. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power <coughs> when? When will ye receive power? After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Another Jesus The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner 
shall come in like manner as you see him go into heaven. Hallelujah. Let's pray and ask the Lord to minister to us this morning. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we ask you, Lord, to minister to us by the Holy Ghost this morning. And that you would do the preaching to this church today, oh God. We need thy divine revelations. We need thy divine understanding. And we ask, Lord, that you would preach to us by the Spirit and the power of God. In Jesus' name, praise God. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> I've decided this morning to spend a little more time this morning on the author of the book of Acts than I ever have before. I'm afraid today that too many of us know too little about the Word of God. And when you go out on the streets, you hear all kinds of dumb remarks. Remarks that are unfounded, remarks that are total ignorance. And let me say this, I hear remarks made often that my preacher said. Really what it amounts to is the word said. And what I'm teaching this morning should stir you up to go home and study further into what I'm teaching you today so that after I have taught you that these dinglings come along and say these goofy things we need to stop them dead cold in their tracks and make them admit the truth amen and the word of God's true and every man's a liar I don't care what your name is or your position is God said I have magnified my word above my name so he's got his word way up there and that's higher than Carl Elder or anybody else in town that calls themselves a preacher or pastor. And I'll tell you what, if you can prove to me that I'm wrong by the word of God, I'm going to apologize. I have the decency to do that. Amen. If you can prove by the word of God, I'm wrong. Amen. Praise God. But <clears throat> these guys that go around town saying Jesus wrote something and the apostles wrote something else are literally ignoramuses. Did you ever stop to think what that would say? That would say that Jesus spent three and a half years of his life training men to do contrary to him. 
Now, how many of you believe the Lord Jesus Christ is stupid? <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe the Lord Jesus Christ was stupid enough to teach men for three and a half years, and I would have loved to sit at his feet and butt talk. He's the master of teachers. Amen. A lot of times we preach, but he demonstrated. He said, just tell the dead to get up. And their eyes got about that big around, so he went over and raised up some dead folks. And then their eyes did get big around. Fact is, he'd turn around and look at them once in a while and say, don't be afraid. We get beyond our little human capacity. Hello. And when we get beyond our little human capacity, fear sits in. Praise God. Come on. Now, there are some things I need to tell you this morning, and do not take this affirmative as the gospel truth this morning. I'm telling you these things as... Uh, I understand them, but there is no way to prove who Theopolis is. But I am only telling you what some scholars of some of the writers of the books of today think he is. But in actuality, to say that's what he was and is, is... Um, <clears throat> hard to prove okay praise God but if you notice here he said the former treaties have I made O Theopolis when he begins to write the book of Luke he calls him most excellent Theopolis but here he has a little better relationship with him and he calls him O Theopolis and some of these that write the books today think that by the term most excellent Theopolis that it is possible that he was the attorney that represented Paul or was in position to speak to the Roman government in Paul's behalf and so he addresses the book of Acts to Theopolis now if you will pay close attention to the book of Acts while you're reading it you will find that Luke does several things under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. One of the things that he is doing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost is proving that the apostles have no intentions of overthrowing the Roman government. They have no cause or reason to bring up a political uprising. And he constantly is showing that the apostles are only out 
declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have no intentions of overthrowing neither the Roman government nor the Sanhedrin. You don't have to when you're preaching the gospel. It'll take care of itself. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so in the writings of the book of Acts, we want you to understand that he presents this very carefully to Theophilus. So in its presentation in the reading of, I am not happy about it. And I'm sure the folks I was with this week aren't happy about it. But I've been either in court or in a lawyer's office every day this week. I was glad for Saturday to come. They don't work on Saturday. Praise God. And I am very well aware of a brief. Before any type of trial comes to a conclusion, an attorney gives the judge a brief of the case. One of the briefs that I read this week, it goes back into several years ago on rulings of the Supreme Court. <clears throat> and it presented to the judge how that in similar cases these people were awarded these situations by reviews and findings of the Supreme Court. Now, we might understand that Luke is not really of the uneducated class of people. But Luke is really a physician, a medical physician. And medical physicians of today must take nine years of college. One of the things that I hate that people have to take, I love for every one of you to go to college and be educated to a place to where you can have a good living, but I'm fearful in every situation of destroying your intense feelings towards the Word of God and walk with God. And sometimes I believe that's why the lower class of people have such a closer walk with God than some of the secular class of people. And now I'll clear that with this statement is in so many professions today, you have to have almost nearly at least two years of psychology. Psychology is strictly anti-God anymore. I don't know if it always was, but I know it is now. It's really the thing that got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden. The power of reasoning. Amen. And that's the reason why it is so dangerous. Brother Verbal Bean, one of the most powerfulest evangelists and preachers ever was in the UPC, would hit on that so heavy. 
You can say, well, what's the difference of washing your hands with soap and taking a penicillin shot? They both kill germs. The difference is, in so much reasoning, you'll kill your strong faith in God and pretty soon you can accept anything. And that's what psychology does to mankind today. But however you want to take it, Luke was very educated, was a phenomenal writer, and probably penned more of the New Testament than our comprehension. I'll clarify that a little bit this morning. I'm saying all these things, and I know some of you are going to sleep through them, but then again, sometime this year, some ding-a-lings are going to ring your door and come in and tell you a bunch of junk. And after you've slept through this, you won't be able to interpret to them the truth. Amen. But Luke is a scholar. One of the most astounding things in the life of Luke, if you ever read something besides the Bible... You read commentaries and you read analyticals and Josephus, such as I do, you'll find that the physician Luke is very astounded when Peter, James, and John goes up to the temple and gets a hold of the man that's never walked from his mother's womb and he goes running and leaping into the temple. Now, there is a writing there that does not affect most of us uneducated people who don't take deep views of words. If you're good at English, words means more to you than just a interpretation. It goes in depth. And Luke uses there, and his ankles were strengthened. He probably heard him snap and crack into place and receive strength all at once and he knew the power of surgery, the power of therapy, how long it would take to do that and how close to impossible it would be. And seen it done in a matter of moments and it literally astounded him till he wrote and his ankles received strength. Praise God. Now, <clears throat> I've just told you that he addresses this to most likely an attorney that's representing Paul and he has written this in such a way that the book of Acts is written in such a way that if you go by the law of the Sanhedrins, you cannot find any fallible proof in the book of Acts by the law of the Sanhedrin, any of these apostles should have been persecuted the way they were. And... What I'm saying here simply as a scholar 
he has presented a brief here to this man to present and represent Paul before Felix and before the emperors of Rome to prove Paul's innocence. The book of Acts. <clears throat> Let me say a little more about Luke and then we'll go on to some more things. Praise God. There are some things about Luke that you should pay attention to. <clears throat> well, I didn't clear that as much as maybe as I should have. Let me show you here in Acts, the fifth chapter, and read through the 32nd verse. Here, the apostles are being accused, as I have told you recently, just now. The Sanhedrin always is falsely accusing the apostles. And here we find the apostles being wrongfully accused by really wicked men who are in high office in the church. In the 32nd verse, and this is the apostle speaking, we are his witnesses of these things. And I want you to pay close attention to that little word, we. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel how to kill the apostles. Then stood there up one in the council of the Pharisees, named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. And he said unto them, Ye men of Israel, Take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Theodos, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. And after this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him, he also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. Now, you see, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, were always accusing the apostles and Jesus of getting them in trouble with the Roman rulership. And so here, they compare the apostles and them to be the same as these goofy men and their bunch was but one man here is of wise wisdom and very well respected he said in the 38th verse and now I say unto you refrain alone for if this counsel or this work be of men it will come to naught but if it be of God you cannot overthrow it lest happily you be found even to fight against God and thank God it was of God, for we are part of it yet today. And though she's been cursed and destroyed and ate and burned, 
ate by lions and burned by oil, stretched in racks and everything else, they've never gotten rid of the church of the living God. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can't kill it. You can't eat it. You can't run it away. When I come to this city, I knew the first thing they was going to do was try to run it out of town on a raid. I knew that when I come here. And I made up my mind there wasn't any rail leaving town. Now, since we have grown to this small projection, the thing to do is to make fun of it and belittle it. That's the reason why we must become more apostolic until the power of God overcomes their mockery and makes fools of them instead of the church of the living God being made a fool of. Amen. Whether you want to admit it or not today, church, we're in a contest with the devil. And whether you want to admit it or not, the devil sits in high places in this city. He's the prince of this city. And it's up to the church of the living God to go into action and fight. And our weapons are not weapons of attorneys of law. We can use them, but that's not going to get us where God wants us to go. Our weapons are prayer and fasting and witnessing. You can run by buses, and we need to be running both of our buses instead of one. You can run Bible studies, and everybody in here should be teaching one. You can run every kind of vehicle you can think of for outreach, but if it's not seasoned with prayer and fasting, it will come to vain and frustration. The reason is, well, if you're going to win somebody to God, you've got to overpower the powers over them. And you cannot overpower them secularly, reasoning, theory, argument. Whether you want to know it or not, the powers of the devil are greater today than we give credit. Somebody said the devil may, all the devil's power is, is lies, and that's true. But you've got to admit one thing, he's good at it. He's lied to some of you folks' kids, and you can't even get the lies that he told them out of their head. So say what you want to. He's a very effective, powerful liar. And the only way you're going to get over him is through prayer and fasting, causing God and his angels to move on them and overpower his lies. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. For you don't have the power. 
Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And it's about time we learn that. If you want to do something, get busy and pray and fast and seek God's face until, and somebody said, I did and nothing happened. Well, you quit too soon. Stay with it till it happens. Well, I know some folks did for two years and nothing happened. Well, let me tell you what I know. I know some folks did for 11 years and it happened. Hallelujah. 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 Some folks don't have enough perseverance. Some folks want to happen if it won't cost them too much. Some folks said it's going to happen no matter what the price is. Thank God Brother Reuben saved today. But I thought Sister Maji would fast herself away. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, there's a way to move God. Hallelujah. I said there's a way to move God. We are a copy of the original, and God is the same today as he was yesterday, and tomorrow he's going to be greater. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, they tried to prove a bunch of junk on the apostles, and I want you to know that's about as high up as you can get without getting Jesus. He's a foundation apostles. I believe that I am an apostle today, but I am not a foundation apostle. There are certain requirements of foundation apostles, and that is they must have seen Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. In Acts 21 and 38, you find a guy that did more than some of these did. In Acts 21 and 38, art thou not that? And they trying to accuse Paul again when he's before the court. See, always bringing false accusations against you. Always, I said. You know, some of us can't stand it because mankind is bringing false accusations against us. Let me tell you, honey, that's part of being saved. If you can't stand that, what you're simply saying is you can't stand the heat in the kitchen. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. I never in my life seen a good cook that couldn't stand the heat in the kitchen. If you want to be effective, take a lawyer. Man, them two lawyers come out of there the other day trying to console us, brother and sister elder. They was as blowed out as we was. That's a phenomenal judge over there. I mean, him. Yeah. 
that guy ought to have been an acrobat or a magician or something. Because when he gets through, you don't have no idea where you're standing at. You just walk out. I don't even know what I drove over here for. And says, we'll let you know in a couple months what happened. Everybody likes to be left dangling on chain for a couple months anyhow, you know. Hallelujah. But what are you getting to, Brother Elder? If a lawyer is going to be a good lawyer, they got to learn to take the pressure. When we were in Grand Island, the chips was down on us. And I don't mind telling you, I've been to court enough in the last three years that almost every court I've been to is a kangaroo situation. They go in there and have the trial before you get there, and then they call all you in to sit down to give you the verdict. trial's already been had before you get in there. Amen. And <clears throat> but I was in this one case where we was ever more having a trial. You could tell the judge done made up his mind because uh, of his political future. But our side of the case was pressing the issue every day because we didn't care what this judge ruled. We knew this case was going to the Supreme Court and we wanted all of this on record. It did make it there and we did win, hands down. Fact is, Sister Rich tells me she's in better shape than we are today. She said the fire department don't even come around no more. Amen. <clears throat> well, I don't know if that's good or bad. I kind of like it. They come in here and make sure we keep things safe. Amen. I don't claim to be a know-all. You know, it could be we could build a trap and kill a bunch of us around here, and I'm not interested in that. Praise God. Hallelujah. But <clears throat> what I'm saying is I watched Attorney David Gibbs who knew that the judge was going to rule against him. Get up and give a masterpiece his closing arguments <laughs> if I'd have been the judge instead of ruling I'd have got down on my chair and repented and prayed through <laughs> I never seen an attorney do such a thing in all my life in court amen <clears throat> what are you saying brother elder here is an attorney that knows a judge is going to rule against him. 
Here is an attorney that knows he doesn't have a chance in this case, in this situation with this court. But he don't care. He not only is willing to accept the pressure that's being put on him right now, but he is exerting a higher pressure. His convictions. He doesn't have the Holy Ghost, but he has some high moral standards and high convictions that a lot of people in this assembly ought to get. Amen. And he's not afraid to not only receive the pressure, but exert some of his own. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to live for God, you got to take the pressure. Not only do you have to take the pressure, you need to get scholarly in the Word of God where you can exert some pressure. You need to get powerful in prayer to where you can put out some pressure some folks will leave you alone or pray through over. Apostolic's power is from prayer and fasting and reading the word. Without the word, you can't do much. It's kind of like I've got the power out there in that car. I've got the power. I've got the ability to drive it. But without a map, where am I going? That's how the Bible is to you. It's your map to eternal life. You need to study your map. I have traveled all over the United States so much. You ask Sister Elder if this is not a fact. I have people who come and ask me, Brother Elder, what highway should I take? And most of the time, I say most of the time, I don't have to get a map out. I say you take highway so-and-so to here and highway so-and-so to there and highway so-and-so to there. And I got so cocky about it, I just drove off one time about three years ago. Didn't need to look at a map. That's when I lost some of my cockiness. If anything makes me mad is to drive 60 to 100 miles out of the way. found out that I still need to read the map. Some of us been in church reading the Bible so long we don't think we need to read the map no more. But you're going to find out in your walk with Christ you're a hundred miles off and it's time to get out the map and read it some more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, <clears throat> let us go on. There's some things I want you to pay attention to in Acts the 16th chapter, verses 9 
through 10. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over unto Macedonia and help us. And after he had, you know, I didn't even pay attention to these things until I started studying. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go unto Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And you listen to every apostolic preacher, and you will believe when he is preaching that Paul heard that voice by himself and Paul went by himself. But there is a little word in there, we. In the last portion I read to you, there was a little word in there, we. In Acts 21 and 38, when Paul is before the Sanhedrin court, and I, no, Acts 20 and 6, I looked at the wrong one. Excuse me, I'm still getting used to these glasses. And I probably will be for the next six years. In Acts 20 and 6, you would think when apostolic preachers are preaching this, that only old Paul was on there. He was the only apostolic on the ship. But listen to this, it's said here in the 6th verse of the 20th chapter. And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Troas in five days where we abode seven days. Who is this silent we? Hmm? Brother Grubbs? Brother Luke? Who's the writer of this book? How can you write something you haven't been? This is not, uh, what is it, Louis Lamar? My boy took me down through Wolf Creek Pass. Coming home. I was crazy for letting him, but I did. Took me 27 hours to drive to California. Took me 36 or 38 to drive back. But anyhow, we was driving through all those gorgeous canyons and things. And Paul says, Dad, you know why Louis L'Amour can write about all of the things he write about? 
I said, no, I don't know nothing about Lewis Lamore. He said, because he's been here and he's been through all these passes and he lived in a lot of them situations he writes about. You know why Luke could write the book of Acts in such detail? He's that silent we with Paul everywhere Paul is. Astounding myself in studying this this morning that Paul is the writer, or I mean Paul is the author of the book of Philemon and Colossians, but most likely Luke is the penman. He is with Paul even in prison. He is with Paul in trials. Not trials. He was there all the time with Paul. But he was with Paul in trial. He was with Paul in prison. Paul escapes the hands of the Roman governors the first time he goes to Rome and goes to the city of Ephesus and founds probably the largest church in New Testament history. The church in Ephesus is thought to run somewhere around 70 to 100,000 people. Fact is, the church in Ephesus was so large, it becomes the capital city of the Gentile churches like Jerusalem did the Jewish churches. Taken over by Timothy and that's why the writings of Paul are so uh, exerted to Timothy in my beloved son and he reminds him of his grandmother and his mother's teaching and how he's raised in the faith and how he's to continue in the faith and how he's to keep the church in Ephesus. You see Paul he knows some of the things that's coming on. He's with the other apostles and these things through the revelator John are prophesied to get into trouble. And Paul is giving. These men all lived at once and almost all of them died at once. John lived longer than them all. They didn't die of old age. They died by being hung on the cross, having their heads cut off with sword. Most likely, Paul had his cut off with an axe. Amen. Nero's burning the city of Rome down, and Paul is going back to Rome for his last time. Nero needs somebody to blame it on and he blames it on Paul and the apostles and that's what starts all of the stretch racks and all of the burning of the Christians at the stakes and the feeding the Christians to the lions. Amen. And I want to tell you something church. 
I believe the word of God and I'm going to stick with it. And you're going to get more unpopular for believing the literal word of God. And if you don't like to be unpopular, you might as well hang up your coat. Because Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. And he's coming after a people that are not ashamed of his appearing. I am not a people pleaser. Amen. I'm a God pleaser. I'm out to please God more than you. I'm out to please God more than my wife or my kids. My nephew looked at me at the table this week. And I know some folks think probably I take too much credit for myself. And he said, I've been watching you. And he said, over the years, he said he's watching Sister Elder and I. And he said, over the years, I noticed people lose their kids when they start trying to change to please their kids. And I said, you just looking at a bulldog that was too mean, too ugly, and too stupid to change. You lose your kids when you start doing the things they want you to do they know's wrong. And then when you start doing they know you don't have no convictions and you ain't going to stand up for God and don't believe nothing yourself. And they're going to try you out just to see. They'll try you so hard sometimes you have to knock some sense in them to make them know you believe what you believe. That stupid thing in the newspaper this week. Relax. If your kid comes up and spits in your face, relax. That's what I normally do is relax. My reflexes go way back and I relax and then I just come together. Hallelujah. You pay attention to this dumb psychological world today and all you raising is another kid for the penitentiary. You raising a kid that laugh at you in your old age. Solomon told you a certain way to raise kids if you want peace in your old days. And you better study the Bible and forget psychology. Now try to get back to preaching. Hallelujah. I'm not lit in this world. I can take the pressure. I believe God. The things of God mean more to me than all the things of these goofy fruit of the looms today. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, 
since I've established so much this morning on the author, well, I'll read one more verse to conclude that. Second Timothy, I told you, but now I'll give you chapter and verse. Second Timothy, somewheres. I know I can read my own writing, 4 and 11. Second Timothy 4 and 11. Timothy, Paul is going to his last rendezvous with God on earth. And he writes here in the book of Timothy, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with the for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Let nobody kid you. The book of Acts is very clear and very founded. Praise God. Now, it is called the Acts of the Apostles. But really, it is not the Acts of the Apostles. It is really the Acts of two Apostles. You say, what do you mean? All right. Let us turn to Acts, the first chapter. And let us read verse 13. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Lotus, and Judas the brother James. These all continued one accord in prayer and supplication. And when you get down to the last part of it there, you find here in the 24th verse, and they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knoweth the hearts of all men, Shew whether of these two that thou hast chosen that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots fell upon Matthias and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Let me ask you something. Where else in the book of Acts does it mention this apostle Matthias? Where else in the book of Acts does it mention Bartholomew or Thomas? There are two James. Which James who? Was it James of Jesus, a brother that got killed with his head cut off the sword? Or was it James the Apostle? Well, it's quiet in here. We we got we know too much about the Bible to take time of an evening to study it. So we'll play Monopoly.
<laughs> but we get caught when we're out witnessing. How many of you think we need to study our Bible? Now the sign out there says apostolic. Any of you got any idea why that says apostolic? It's the apostles' doctrine. Let me show you something. The very first verse. The former treaties have I made, O Theopolis, of all that, what? All who did this? Jesus began both to do and to teach. The book of Acts is written to Theopolis. It's written about apostles. It's written about the apostolic movement. It's written though, I should say it's written strictly of all that Jesus taught to do and said to do. And so when somebody today comes up against the book of Acts, they're coming up directly against the teachings of Jesus Christ. If your church was founded in the Old Testament, you need to boot it out the door. If your church was founded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you need to kick it out the door. There is no salvation in any other name. Acts 4 and 12. Some folks are playing around with things they ought to destroy in their lives. The church literally was founded in the second chapter of Acts. Somebody said, well, the apostles are the foundation of the church, and that's a fact. And they were established before the second chapter of Acts. But the church was established in the second chapter of Acts. If you get it before the second chapter of Acts, then the church was established without the Holy Ghost. And I don't believe that. Because it is the power. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about a church. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. That's the reason why I tell them stupid church of Christ folks, you're not the church of Jesus Christ. Quit telling folks you are. You're a lying devil. That's all you are. I don't tell them that until after I've worked with them a while. After I worked with them Jehovah Witnesses for a while, I said, quit lying to folks, you lying Trinitarian. You're not no Jehovah Witness. I'm the true Jehovah Witness in this town. That's right. I'm Jehovah's true witness in this city. Them lying Trinitarians. 
tell folks there's only one God and baptize in three. Do I do it, Brother Gary? He was there, wasn't he? That smart aleck woman, she thought she knew so much about the Bible, she ought to go eat beans. She don't know enough about the Bible to open up the pages. She looking at me, I was just sitting there smiling, waiting my turn. First of all, I said to her, I want to know one thing before I ever talk with you about anything. When you baptize your converts, what do you say? Well, we do what the Bible said. I said, what the Bible say? She flipped over to Matthew 28, 19, like it was a brand new discovery. <laughs> Jesus said, I said, first of all, you don't even believe in Jesus. You just think he's a prophet. What are you out here trying to deceive the people for? Well, he said to baptize in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I said, you stinking Trinitarian, you're no Jehovah Witness. You don't even know who Jehovah is. You're out here just lying to the people. Did I say it, Brother Gary? I had her so mad she didn't know where the steering wheel was. She had to sit in that car for 40 minutes before she could start it up. I ain't playing no games with that bunch of devils. I'm not quite as bad as Mahaney. They come to the front door and he looks at him and says, Look like Mormons to me. One old boy said, Why is that? He said, Looks like you had your pants caught in your bicycle chains. God. Hallelujah. We need to get this truth down inside of us. Amen. Amen. I said we need to get this truth down inside of us. Now, <clears throat> the apostles that are really referred to in the book of Acts is found in Galatians, the second chapter, verses 7 and 8. And then you find out the mind of Christ. If you don't find out the mind of Christ in this thing, you're always in confusion. God sets a pattern. And God sets an order. And one must go and study and seek the things that God has done. And let me tell you this, you don't read this Bible like a book. You read this Bible like it said, line upon line, and precept upon precept. <laughs> These two boys looking at me grinning. <clears throat> I don't want to offend nobody here today, Sister Sander, because I'm very close to black people. But I was telling these boys the other day about that black preacher preaching Said them lines was upon them lines. <laughs> 
and said, you never seen no ferocious fight like them precepts upon them precepts. Some of my friends told me that from Junction City. I got some fantastic friends down there. Praise God. Fact is, it's about time to get brother back up here to preach for us. How many of you like his preaching? Praise God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Now, the Bible said line upon line. L-I-N-E. Precept upon precept, commandments, laws, statutes of God. Now hear this. Hear a little and there a little. So when you study this Bible, it's not like reading Louis L'Amour. Or whoever else you women read. All kinds of preachers tell me, Brother Elder, you could unwind if you'd read Lewis L'Amour. I need to read some more, but I don't think it's Lewis L'Amour. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. In Galatians, the second chapter, verse 7 8, tells us. What the book of Acts mostly is about and what apostles. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Now, how can this be unless, first of all, we pay attention to the order in which the gospel is to be preached? Now, when you look at Acts 1 and 8, we find the order in which the gospel is to come to mankind. And in Acts 1 and 8 it said, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And a lot of folks get happy about that and stop right there. You better not stop there. And ye shall be witness unto me both in where? Where? Jerusalem. How do I spell it? I always get it messed up. J-E-R- U.S. I missed something. I got too many spellers out there. Somebody knows how, tell me. Alright. That's the hardest word for me to spell. Oh yeah, I shouldn't have missed that one. Because that's the part I remember. Praise God. Going to preach... In Jerusalem, where else are we going to preach? 
Where's Judea? How do we spell it? J. Is that right? Something's missing. E A. All right. Where is this at? Oh, you hear a bunch of goofy stuff, but it's the rest of Israel. And I can't spell that right either. I-S-R-E. Yeah, I get that E and A in the wrong place. Jerusalem and Judea is the rest of Israel. Now, pay close attention to the second chapter of Acts. Let me tell you something that the God believes the rest of Israel is. All the Jews. He don't care if they come from Hong Kong. If they're a Jew, they're a Jew. And they come in there from everywheres on that second chapter. Now, say, well, then said they was from Philippi, and they was from Crete, and they was from Rome, and they was from, oh, yeah? I'll tell you something. To be a Jew, you have to be from somewheres in Judea. The root tribe of a Jew is somewheres in Jerusalem or Judea. And if you wasn't born there, or your daddy was, or your grandpappy was, you're not a Jew. Amen. Somebody said, how do you know you got this in you and that in you? Because our granddad told us. Hello. Come on. And when we get started in that in here this morning, only God knows where we all come from. Come on. It's the same way with them. Now he said, Ye shall receive the whole power after the Holy Ghost come upon you. Whereat in Jerusalem... And in Judea, all right, and in Samaria, how do I spell that? It's just one person spell. R-I-A, Samaria. Where is Samaria? Must be a long ways from Israel. Where? Would you believe right in the middle? Samaria is not out of Israel. It's defiled ground in Israel. Oh yes. Jesus Christ was not well thought of because he went to the woman of the well in Samaria. A Jew was not supposed to dirty his feet. Tet stepping on Sumerian soil. 
You better believe it's right because I've been to Samaria. Not in the Bible, in the map, literally. We've been through all the coasts of Samaria. And Israel surrounds it all around. Praise God. Now the gospel's going, so therefore, one apostle reaches this, and his name is However, since Peter is given the keys to the kingdom of heaven, there's another door he has to unlock. Acts what? Ten? Oh. I know where it all takes place, 44 through 48, but there's a lot of good reading in 1 through 10. Fact is, should study the whole chapter carefully. Amen. Now what are we getting to? Now, Gentiles, who's that? Who's Gentiles? Everybody I know of in here. And the Lord really thought of us real highly, called us dogs. Hallelujah. Said we wasn't even fit to come to the children's table. But he thought more highly of us than that if you keep on studying. Because he said the last shall be first. And the first shall be last. And a lot of folks don't know all about that statement. But the Jews were first and Gentiles last. That which was first was made last and that which was last was made first. You ought to thank God he loved us that much. And he turned from the Jews to us. How many of you are glad for the love of the Lord today? Hallelujah. But Peter has trouble with Gentiles. Some folks said, I don't believe in prejudice. I don't either. I don't believe in being prejudiced. I believe we need to get past that prejudice stuff. And somebody said, you don't find no prejudice in the Bible. Now, wait a minute. You went too far now. The whole reason why God saved Paul is because he could reach the Gentiles and Peter couldn't. Somebody said, why couldn't Peter reach the Gentiles? Because he was too prejudiced. He didn't want them getting his glad rags dirty. He didn't want to be caught eating with them. Hello. 
And so God brings another apostle on the scene. Somebody said, we have to put Matthias in there because he's the only one seen Christ. No, there was one born out of due season. His name was Saul to start with, but it was changed to Paul, and you find him preaching very mightily the same message, the same gospel in the 19th chapter of Acts. And Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, and Peter is the apostle to the Jews. And the Bible said to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. Remember this, God said, my word have I magnified my above my name. And God will stay with the order of his word no matter how you see it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we're just touching around on some things today. Next week we're going to get into some deeper things on the book of Acts. Next week I expect some of you to do some discussion. Hallelujah. I'll make the teenagers in this class get into some discussion with us next week. I'm going to make our Spanish get into some discussion with us next week. Some of you old wise folks full of wisdom and understanding are going to get in discussion with us next week. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're going to discuss some things. I'll give them to you Thursday night. Till then you can fret about it. Hallelujah. Read the book of Acts. Next week I'm going to give you some questionnaires you can fill out individually. So when we get through with some of this, we'll see how much of the book of Acts you know. Who's the writer of the book of Acts? What's the purpose? Praise God. We'll find them people that sleep through class. Amen. Hallelujah. Who's going to grade the papers, Brother Elder? I don't know. When it comes grading time, we'll just let the one sitting next to you grade yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God. That's what this is called, Sunday school. Hallelujah. I told God this morning, look, God, I don't really need to go through all this over and over again. I know this, but somehow or another, your people need it in them. Amen. Amen. And I don't know how you can get it in you without the practical application. The reason why it's in me, because I had to get up here and tell you and show you and all that stuff. Amen. If we can get ourselves involved in some practical application, maybe we can get it down inside of us. Hallelujah. 
How many of you believe we need this down inside of us? I believe we need a reading, writing, and arithmetic, but I believe to make the church grow, we need the sound word of God fully clear in our hearts and minds, being full of the Holy Ghost through prayer and fasting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we're going to have to find out who we are. Why do we have that sign out there apostolic? Praise God. I could put the sign out there, Church of Jesus Christ. I'd still be right. Fact is, the Church of Christ think I'd be more right. Because they can find that in the Bible. They can't find apostolic in the Bible. Because if they did, they'd have to pray through and repent. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I've had them debate with me. See, here I'll show you where we're at in the Bible. I said, you couldn't show me you where you're at in the Bible. Uh, it's over here, Church of Jesus Christ. I said, you're not the Church of Jesus Christ. You're a house full of devils. If Jesus Christ walked in there, you'd kick him out. You'd tell him you don't believe in healing. You don't believe in speaking in tongues. You don't believe in divine miracles. You don't believe in nothing except your uninspired intellectual prophecies. You know, come to think about, they call themselves uninspired, but I believe they are inspired. They're inspired of the devil. They're inspired from hell. Amen. Hallelujah. I've been all through their little spill. I've been all through the Mormons' little spill. Sister Elder and I sit in their great white temple. Not the big one. They don't let us uncircumcised Polacks over there. One of our preachers was in there, roaming around, looking at everything. Cleaning lady said, are you a member of the Church of Jesus Christ? And he said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Just kept right on walking around, looking at things. He was getting up to the throne room, got mighty close to the throne room, you know, where all the big glorious elders are. Somebody said to uh, to him, are you a church of the, uh, Jesus Christ? And he said, yes, sir. He said, I mean the Mormon church. Oh, he said, no, I'm not a member of the Mormon church. They escorted him out of there with some very good, strong escorts. <clears throat> Sister Elder and I sit in their little old doolum and floppy. I caught him in a lie right off the bat. The great white God that came and preached to the Aztec Indians. Jesus Christ wasn't no more white than I am a bumblebee. Hallelujah. He's an Assyrian Jew. 
You ought to go over there and sit in 130 degrees and see how white you are. Hallelujah. Great white God that came and preached to the Aztec Indian. I said, what's wrong with these dumb people? They're the richest people in the country. Don't they have enough money to go over there and see where the, he come from? And they sit there and told us about Joseph Smith. And them dreams he had. And found all of those golden plates. Wished I'd have found them. I'd have went and cashed them in, got something worth something out of. Hallelujah. I will tell you what, now, you ain't going to believe me. You're going to get mad at me and all kind of things with me. I'm going to tell you something. When you fooling around with the Mormon church, you're fooling around with demon possession. Sister Elder, she wrote down, I don't remember how she wrote it down on her little pad. How many of you remember when all them Mormons started swarming up around this church a few years ago? That's right after Sister Elder and I come back from Salt Lake City. We had them dudes so mad they sent them clear out here to try to mess us up. What was it you wrote down on yours, honey? You said something about you can't believe educated people could get all wrapped up in a little boy's dream or something like that. And I wrote down on mine, I think it's a bunch of nonsense and foolishness and stupidity and I don't see how anybody smart can swallow this trash. That woman looked at mine, she almost bit her bottom jaw off. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you know when you go in there, that is so much power of the Latter-day Saints that it's going to convert you. Just made me sick at my stomachs all it did to me to think that in an educated America such trash goes on. Amen. I want to tell you something today. People, you ought to thank God for the truth and the Word of God. Study the book of Acts for the next few weeks. See if you can stay ahead of me. See if you can't learn more about an apostolic and an apostle than what you ever dreamed of. See by studying the book of Acts what Jesus Christ church really is. It's not a bunch of phony little uh, doodads of how you perform when you go to church with rituals. It's how when you come to church, you perform under the spell and power of God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, let us study this book. I wish to God, hallelujah, that we had this so much in us we could reach everybody in this city. I said everybody. We got a lot of represented in here, but we don't have any Japanese represented in here. We don't have any Chinese represented in here. We don't have any Koreans. 
Looks like all Asia is out of our assembly. Come on. How many of you believe this gospel ought to reach every creature? Come on. Hallelujah. This gospel ought to reach every creature. Praise God. How many of you want it to reach every creature? Let's get it down deep inside of us so we can. Praise God. Let's stand this morning. These will get more intense as we go along because you cannot preach on the book of Acts too long before you start having demonstrations of it. Hallelujah. 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 How many of you want demonstrations of the book of Acts in our midst? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You cannot start preaching on miracles. You can't preach on prayer and fasting. You can't preach on baptism. You can't preach on infilling of the Holy Ghost. But pretty soon it's going to start happening. It's going to take root and grow in somebody's life. Somebody, somebody is going to be fertile ground. Somebody is going to receive the word. Somebody's going to let it start living in their life. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship God. Hallelujah. God, we praise you. God, we thank you. Lord, we magnify your name. Oh, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you bring on the intensity, praise God, of an apostolic outpouring of the Holy Ghost and of fear and living of the Word of God in this church. We pray in Jesus' name. I rebuke you, Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord 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 God. I'm going to give you just a little bit of what God gave me at 5 o'clock this morning. I rolled out of bed. I couldn't sleep. I said, God, I've been seeking you for some days now. And I need, and God's told me a lot of other things I'm not going to tell you folks. But, uh, he showed me where I'm at with situations and people and things. Praise God. And I hope every one of you will be saved. But uh, don't feel bad if I don't come out and knock you in the head or try to argue you into things because I believe if you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved because you love the Lord and you want to be saved. Amen. And if you don't love the Lord, nothing I can do make you get saved. And uh, you say, well, I love the Lord, but I this and I that. You don't love the Lord. If you love the Lord, you let his word work in your life. Amen. Praise God. And you say, that's too straight. And no, it ain't too straight. That's just right. Amen. Praise God. That's not too straight. That's just right. Praise God. And I turned over this morning to the book of Haggai. Four o'clock, or I mean five o'clock this morning. And God began to talk to me. Praise God out of that first chapter. And I said, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? And he said, this is the beginning of the rebuilding of the church. Praise God. 
God is going to build him a church in this city for his name's sake. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.